Welcome once again to Robert Nauer Unfiltered. And yes, I know I said I wasn't going to post any more about the villages, but there's just so much stupid shit that keeps happening here in the villages, I can't help myself. And so some of these things I'm going to talk about today just have to be told. One of the topics is going to be sinkholes. Where they are, how they got here, and why you better not cancel your sinkhole insurance on your house. Law enforcement. Change is going on. CDD districts. The one I live in. Speeding. Golf carts that are non-street legal. And how the new DeSantis law on golf carts is going to impact all villagers. Especially villagers who allow their young children under 16 years of age without a learner's permit to drive them. Big fines coming. Then, I'm going to talk about the biggest complaint that seems to be going on with most villagers today, people moving here, is that there's a lack of amenities. Clubhouses, um, restaurants and clubhouses, recreational pools, and other sports areas, unlike what they used to build in the newer areas being built down I-75, the Turnpike, and in the Leesburg area. And that is a fact, and we'll talk about that. And then people living in the villages that are driving here, it's amazing that, that, that so many of them simply do not understand the basic DMV rules. And I'll give you some examples of some really lame questions that have been asked. And then I'm going to read to you an article that recently came out in the villages-news.com about how villagers don't seem to like the anonymous complaint system for violating CDD rules, similar to HOA rules, but we call them CDD because we don't have HOAs here. And it is hilariously funny. And then finally, uh, I'm going to talk about this fake story, the story about STDs and how rampant STDs in the villages got started and why it's fake. And so now let's start with the show. So first off, Let's talk about sinkholes. Well, I grew up in Florida in the 50s, and I've been here all my life, but if you check your history, Florida was part of a coral reef system of our Earth's crust. And so all of Florida is sitting on what used to be, hundreds of millions of years ago, a coral reef. It's one of the reasons we have so much clay, so much limestone in the ground under the state of Florida. So why is it that sinkholes are only found in the western part of Florida and certain central areas of Florida, but not on the east coast of Florida? Well, that is how the underwater reef system of coral was formed with many caverns and as the Earth's crust changed, the east coast of Florida uh, has pretty much compacted soil and does not have the caverns underneath it to the degree that the western part of Florida from Tallahassee on down. The um, underground water aquifer, or cavern system as I would like to call it, runs from Tallahassee, Florida, all the way down to Tampa, and, and a little bit below. 
It ranges all the way over towards I-4, Interstate 4, Orange City, um, where Stetson University is, and down to parts of, uh, let's say, Western Orlando. So pretty much the carved out section from Tallahassee all the way down to Tampa is where most of the underwater caverns are. And that is why we have sinkholes in the villages, in Ocala, in Gainesville, in Tampa, uh, and other areas on down I-75. And it has gotten worse over the years. In fact, even Winter Park had a big one that swallowed up an entire car dealership about 35, 40 years ago. It was Holler Chevrolet, if I remember correctly. But the simple fact is, is that as Florida's population grew, as Disney and SeaWorld and everybody came here, more and more people sucked water out of the aquifer. And the Villages is one of the biggest culprits, along with Nestle's Corporation. Uh, today, and pretty soon, Nestle's is going to be pumping something like 10 million gallons of underground water out of the aquifer every single day. Why? Well, because the state legislature, made up of GOP, has allowed that to happen. And what that does is that undermines the soil undermines the homes under the villages and anywhere else homes are. But one of the most densely populated areas of, of the entire state of Florida right now is the villages, Florida. And there is such a potential for so many sinkholes in the villages. And let me just tell you why. Because most of the underground water caverns are anywhere from 80 feet to uh, 200 feet under the surface of the ground, from the surface. And in the villages, as opposed to, say, Ocala and on top of the world, uh, here they dig very deep ponds. And I, I just don't call them ponds, they're retention ponds, but they dig them very deep. And the deep ones, in fact, all of the old ones, they used to put liners in, plastic liners, and they would dig these ponds down 30, 40 feet deep. Well, if the underground cavern is only at 80 feet, and you dig 40 feet down, and then on top of that you put a liner in, and you put allow rainwater to collect in this retention pond that's only 40 feet above the underground aquifer cavern. And remember, water weighs 8 pounds per gallon. So eight pounds per gallon. And you have these several hundred thousand gallon retention ponds retaining water times eight. That's far more weight on it than the weight of the soil that was originally dug out. And so then what happens is when there are heavy, heavy rains, and we do get some really heavy rains here in Florida, though that added weight onto the pond will cause the pond or retention pond to collapse. And so too it will be any homes that are nearby the uh, retention pond. And we've had quite a few of those happen 
in the older areas of the villages as well as some of the newer sections, but not the one I'm living in. And so consequently, sinkholes become more of a reality when you have a much more dense population, when more homes are being built in a defined area, more golf courses that need water, which comes from the underground aquifer and the retention ponds in the villages, and when you have people pumping hundreds of millions of gallons of fresh water out of the underground aquifer in Florida, you are setting Florida up for an ecological disaster, such as what happened when uh, one of the mines uh, south of the villages near Tampa recently had a collapse and opened up one of the largest sinkholes in the state of Florida, several hundred feet deep, and swallowed up and also released uh, hundreds of thousands of gallons of toxic sludge where they were mining from this mine pit. So it's all a matter of, does the legislature in the state of Florida really give a shit about the environment? That's what it comes down to. Or are golf courses and pumping water lining somebody's pocket? So I want you to do some reading. I want you to read about the history of sinkholes in Florida. I want you to read about how Florida's underground aquifer was formed. Uh, check out some geological studies. They're all available on Google if you uh, and you use artificial intelligence. You'll find out all of the hundreds of thousands of underground aquifer veins that run from Tallahassee on down to Tampa. And it might just make you think that maybe, just maybe, you don't want to move to the villages or somewhere in the western part of Florida because of the potential for sinkholes. Well, okay, that's one of the reasons they sell sinkhole insurance, and sinkhole insurance is mandatory by, by your mortgage holder if you hold a mortgage, uh, and you have to carry it. And if you do drop sinkhole insurance, they will never pick you up again. And then if your house does have a catastrophic loss, well, you're kind of screwed. Or even if you have just a, a partial loss, say your garage and half of your house falls into a sinkhole, but the rest of the house is livable, well, guess what? It's not considered a total catastrophic loss, I guess. So you really do need to keep that sinkhole insurance that you get if you have a mortgage, or if you just get insurance, period, because you want to carry insurance. Nobody says you have to carry property insurance in the state of Florida if you buy your house with cash, but I would highly advise you having insurance on your house, even though it's damn expensive right now in the state of Florida. I do believe Florida is the second most expensive state for property insurance on homes in the entire United States right now, and it's expected to go up by 40% next year. Okay, now let's talk about law enforcement. As the villages started out, it was very small. When my wife and I moved here, there were only 50,000 residents. In the near future, it's expected to go to a quarter million, uh, which is not too far off. I believe we're at right around, hovering around 200,000 residents, some full-time, some part-time, but uh, potentially a quarter million by the end of 2025. 
Anyway, these areas uh, all demand law enforcement, fire, EMS, uh, and utility services. And when the villages was first founded by Harold Schwartz, it was mostly trailers and there weren't that many residents. But when their children took over, and started developing the newer concept of the villages and the village lifestyle, making the villages America's friendliest hometown. Well, um, that all tended to make growth go crazy. Everybody wanted to move here because of the lifestyle, but they also needed more police officers, more fire. Uh, more EMS, more doctors, more doctor's offices. And the Villages is predominantly an elderly area. Most of the residents are over 70 years of age, but in the newer areas, you will find residents from 50 years of age on up. Now, in the earlier stages of the Villages, it was only Lady Lake and partially Fruitland Park. Uh, and a couple sheriffs running around the area. And they really didn't police it because the Morse family kind of kind of put a hands-off policy to villagers. Well, the villages has grown so great over the years. Now, like I said, we're almost up to 200,000 residents, and it covers three counties, Lake Sumter, and Marion County, and maybe soon another county. Who knows? But there's so much traffic. There are so many good people and bad people that you need more law enforcement. And the cars and the traffic is horrendous here. So, sadly, for example, uh, the Wildwood Police Department, which used to be a sleepy little town, it only has three traffic officers to cover 75 square miles during the day shift, after evening shift, and night shift. So each shift only has three officers. They are in the process of hiring uh, and trying to obtain a more additional traffic officers. But I learned that fact from Lieutenant Harry of the Wildwood Police Department. And they do a wonderful job, I have to admit, for only having three traffic enforcement officers they do a great job. How do I know? Because I just got a ticket from them. <laughs> yes, sir. And do you want to know what I got a ticket for? Get this. Uh, what was his name? Officer, um, God, I can't remember his name. It began with a G. Anyway, nice guy. Nice guy with a beard. And I was coming out of my villas on uh, Marsh Bend Trail. I was coming out, and there's the white line that the nose of your car, the bumper of your car, is never supposed to cross when you're stopping and looking both ways at the stop sign. But traffic is so fast and furious coming down uh, Marshpin Trail that by the time you look left and you see it's clear, and then you immediately look to your right, and, the, and then by the time you look back, a car is already on you because they're doing 50, 60 miles an hour. So you can't just pull up to the little white line where the stop sign is and then just stop and, and continue to look. You have to go. Otherwise, you're not going to get out of your, 
your uh, neighborhood villa. <laughs> so that's what I did. I turned and I looked. I saw nobody was there. I, uh, and usually I look right and then I look left. So I looked right. There was nobody there. Uh, or so I thought, and then I looked left, there was no car, so I immediately went, and yes, I blew the stop sign by about two seconds. Uh, I would have said, yeah, I sort of stopped, but it's what you call a California stop. It wasn't really a rolling stop. I came up to the stop, I looked, and then I went. But right across the street, the Wildwood police officer was there, sitting there nicely, and he immediately flipped on his lights, pulled me over, I pulled over, and he gave me a ticket for that. No questions asked, no warning, just you're going to get a ticket. And the ticket was $166 for going over the white line uh, too quickly without coming to a full stop. So I do advise each and every one of you to um, come to a full stop and uh, just abide by the rules, rules of the road. Uh, you will get a ticket. And now, the Wildwood Police Department also has a brand new police car. It's, it's actually a golf cart. And the golf cart that they have says Wildwood Police Department on it. It's got blue lights, and uh, it's got a radio to dispatch and everything. And they use that in certain areas of the villages that they control to monitor the golf cart traffic. And in the state of Florida, if you exceed 20 miles per hour with your golf cart, doesn't matter what your stupid excuse is, you're going to get a ticket. I sincerely doubt you're going to get a warning. Because if you exceed 20 miles an hour anywhere on a posted road, you're going to get a ticket for speeding. And the minimum ticket is $166 for speeding up to 15 miles an hour over. So if you're doing 22 miles an hour, which is over the speed limit, it's less than 15, you're going to get a $166 ticket and three points. So, um, the other issue with golf carts and law enforcement, Wildwood Police Department, it doesn't matter if it's Wildwood, the Sumter County Sheriff, or Marion, they're all going to monitor golf carts, especially now, because no longer do we have golf carts that generally are governed and used to be gasoline or battery. Now we have lithium-powered, high-powered golf carts that are jacked up that do 45, 50 miles an hour. Those brake systems on those golf carts are not meant to handle those kinds of speeds and braking speeds. And they are extremely dangerous. Um, and most, if not all of them, I'd say 99% of all the new golf carts that are lithium-powered and jacked up are not street legal. They don't have seat belts as required. They don't have windshield wipers. Uh, they don't have the appropriate windshields, et cetera, et cetera. All the things that are required in the state of Florida to be considered street legal. And so what happens is if you cross the golf cart lane, the white lane that your golf cart is in and go into the street in any shape or form, just like a drunk driver, if you cross the white line, a cop can pull you over and give you a ticket and give you a sobriety test because you are required to stay within the white lines where the golf carts are meant to be operating, except when you are turning into your neighborhood or turning onto a multimodal path. But if you violate the, the golf cart lanes and go into the main uh, automobile lanes, then you are required to be, by state law, street legal, and that means you also have to be tagged. 
and pay for an automobile tag, a golf cart tag, street legal. You also have to carry automobile liability insurance, just as a car does. Uh, all of the things that you are required to do if you drive a car, you so too are required if you drive a golf cart that is street legal because you want to drive it in the street. Now, what does that mean? You are allowed to go, drive golf carts if so authorized by the city or area that you live in on any street that is under 35 miles per hour. Well, Salt Marsh Trail is uh, a 30 mile per hour street. So therefore, if you have a street legal cart and you pay for the tags and the insurance and the seat belts and the windshield wipers, et cetera, et cetera, you can go up to 35 miles per hour, well, 30 miles per hour on Salt Marsh. And you can not get a ticket because you are following the proper speed in a perfectly powered legal vehicle. A regular golf cart is not a legal vehicle for being in the street unless you are so properly made to be street legal. What is the fine for that? Whoa, many people ask that. Well, Sumter County Sheriff typically pulls people over for driving in the uh, automobile lanes if they are not street legal, are not properly tagged, and or they don't have insurance, or they're not carrying their driver's license, blah, 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 blah. And the average fee for a well-behaved villager is about $1,200 plus points. For a belligerent villager that gets nasty with the police or the sheriff, it can range up to five, six thousand dollars. <coughs> there have been quite—excuse <coughs> me—there have been quite a few villagers who have gotten those six thousand dollar tickets. Let me tell you how they get pulled over and immediately get hostile or belligerent to the law enforcement officer who is simply trying to do his or her job, and they don't have their driver's license on them because they don't think they need it if they're in a golf cart, and they were speeding at, say, 25, 30 miles, 32 miles per hour, which is not allowed because you can only go 20 miles per hour in a golf cart. Otherwise, you are speeding, and thus you are breaking the laws of the state of Florida. And again, I said the minimum minimum charge would be just for speeding would be $166, but when the law enforcement officer finds out that you are driving at over 20 miles per hour, you have now technically been driving on the road as a non-street vehicle vehicle speeding, and that thus requires that your uh, vehicle be properly tagged, insured, and equipped, and it's not. So therefore, for every one of those violations that you did not do, to ensure that your golf cart was properly tagged, insured, and equipped, you are going to be fined an extra citation for that. And they generally run up to upwards of $2,500 in some cases. Now, it is a mandatory court appearance in the state of Florida for anybody in a non-street legal vehicle, of which a golf cart would be in most cases, to have to go to court before the judge. That means you have to hire an attorney. Attorney is going to cost you about two to five thousand dollars, so it depends on how cheap you can get an attorney. That you really do want a good attorney, and you want to let your attorney do the talking, and then 
you're probably going to lose the case, and the judge is not only going to assess you all the fines that the law enforcement officer gave you the ticket for and the points, but you're going to have to pay for your uh, attorney's fees and for the court cost. And if you really get belligerent, well, you could go to jail, and you might even get bonded out, and you damn sure don't want to be driving a golf cart drunk or under the influence in a uh, village area or anywhere for that matter in the state of Florida because by doing so you're driving a a powered vehicle under the influence you know you're probably looking at close to five to ten thousand dollars in fees by the time you rack that up besides all your insurance doubling and tripling and we do have quite a few villagers that drive around drunk we even have villagers driving around that shouldn't be driving because their sight is impaired and so poor. We actually have a friend who uh, it was married to a nurse that was legally blind. And you believe it or not, her husband, legally blind, was out driving a golf cart on the multimodal path in the villages over by the uh, area where uh, Arnold Palmer's golf course is. He's since deceased, but yes, it does happen, and you don't want to do that because, again, the fines are exceedingly high. Uh, and Wildwood Police Department is cracking down now because of the fact that traffic has gotten so bad, and there are so many people moving here. They have to enforce the laws equally, fairly to everybody, including me. And I don't have a problem with that. If you follow the law, you won't have a problem, right? And that brings me to the next um, issue. And that's going to be the CDDs, the, the anonymous reporting of violations, which is an ongoing thing, and it, and it rightfully should be. I, I actually agree with the anonymous system. Because otherwise, you'd have neighbors going over if, if somebody had to report who they were. Oh, my name is John Smith, and I want to call on my next-door neighbor who his yard looks like pure shit. Uh, he, and he's got weeds everywhere, and he's not mowing his lawn. He's got mold on his stucco. Uh, you guys need to come over and cite him and fine him. Well, I can tell you there are so many wackadoodles in the villages, they would just go get their gun, go next door, and shoot their neighbor. We don't want to have that, and that's exactly why the villages and the developer designed their system to be anonymous. And they will send the community standards uh, people out to check on the violation that is reported anonymously. And that is a good thing because the people who are in violation do get fined, and some of them get fined quite significantly. And you can Read a lot about this just by Googling fines by community standards in the villages or villagers fined for non-compliance, blah, blah, blah. Just Google it. Anyway, uh, as the villages grows, there is a greater need for community standard compliance. Uh, and so that is why we have the anonymous system. For example, you're, it may be that your neighbor is really not that big of a violator, only has one of those little gnomes out in their yard, but it doesn't matter. The CDD rules say 
no yard ornaments are allowed. And yet if somebody puts one of those uh, metal herons out or a pink flamingo or a little jockey boy out in the front yard with the lantern, which is considered racist today, uh, they would be in violation of the CDD rules for home ownership and would be fined. And then if you don't pay the fines, then a lien will be placed on your house and, along with interest for all the unpaid fines. And uh, like I said in a previous um, podcast, there was a lady who decided she didn't want to have to rescreen her lanai after a big storm blew out all the screens. And she went for several years without rescreening it. She was fined. Her fines ended up being about $16,000 plus interest. And uh, when she did die and her place went to be sold, her heirs lost out on all that money because those fines had to be paid first before the house could be sold. So anyway, food for thought. Um, what else do we have to talk about here? Oh, oh, and I forgot about DeSantis and golf carts. Ron DeSantis, or as Trump calls him, Ron DeSanctimonious, Ron DeSantis recently signed a new golf cart law, a new law in the state of Florida that makes it criminal and illegal for anybody under the age of 16 without a learner's permit to be driving a golf cart. So beware, you village grandfathers and grandmothers who have your little kids come down to the villages that are under 16 years of age and 14 and 12. And, you know, you'd see grandma and grandpa out on their golf cart and junior will be on their lap driving the golf cart. Oh, no, that's a, that is now a criminal fine. Or if you say, hey, junior, take my golf cart down to the... Um, grocery store and pick us up a, a gallon of milk or bread that is um and 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 the adult uh, isn't in the golf cart well that's a criminal offense to the owner of the golf cart who allowed that under 16 year old to drive to the grocery store in the villages and throughout florida for that matter right now so don't do it because a, a criminal misdemeanor charge for allowing your children in the villages or anywhere in Florida to do that is going to be even more costly than running a stop sign. It is a no-no, according to Rhonda Sanctimonious. So, now I'm going to read you an article that recently came out in the villages-news.com about this homeowner issue, and it's quite funny, and it's entitled... My mobile home in Sumter County was my slice of paradise from the Villages-News. So here we go. I hope you enjoy it. It's quite funny. And it's all about CDD rules and compliance and the slice of life in the Villages. Dear Editor, I've been keeping up with the line of post about exterminating the Native Americans and stealing their land, and then I came across the one about withering on the vine and jealousy. The lady stated something about being shallow and this area being stagnant, meaning the villages. 35 years ago, I purchased my five acres of land and my mobile home. Yes, mobile home. Disgusting, isn't it? Home that I currently live in, too. 
It was bought and paid for, kept up in the intention of retiring in a peaceful country setting of rural Sumter County, which happens to be where the village is, is doing most of its building now. The vast open fields and pastures were filled with watermelons flourishing on the vines. Our natural lakes and ponds were not stagnant and were very fishable. The water was clean. There were peppers and eggplants and cattle as far as the eye could see. Life was good. I aged, and I finally came to retirement age. And then along came the villages. And without regard to the natives in Sumter County that lived here, they couldn't care less about and how we felt. And they bulldozed, they bought up and bulldozed our watermelon fields, destroyed our cow pastures, our land, and displaced the wildlife. They put in huge golf courses first and then sucked all the uh, groundwater out of the ground, meaning the underground aquifer, to make those golf courses grow. Nineteen wells have collapsed in my village. The first year of Finney, which is next to Coleman Federal Prison, coyotes and coons have flooded into the areas where we live because that's all they have left. And that's true. All the land that was watermelon patches, cow pastures, etc., have all homes and golf courses built on them now by the villages. And so he's quite right. Um, goes on to say, the traffic is so bad here that you have to allow a lot of extra time to go anywhere in the villages, and so on and so on. Now I have some villager lady telling me that I'm jealous because I didn't sell my five acres and become a multi-millionaire like the rest of the people who live near me because I'm a holdout. She says, ma'am, he says, ma'am, I'm not jealous of you because you live in the villages. You think it's all about the mighty dollar and you having more than me. You don't. Trust me. His name is Bruce Gregory of Adamsville, which is where a cemetery is right off of the road that takes you down to... uh, Warm Springs and takes you down to 301, which is where we happen to live in the village of DeLuna. So I think that's pretty funny, is that he mentions all the things that I'm mentioning, but in a different way. Yes, uh, there are quite a few people, holdouts, if you want to call them that, people who have large rural acres of land that are being swallowed up by the village developer, uh, surrounded by the villages. And as they mow down the acreage and build homes and golf courses and schools and other things, like all progress, if you want to call that progress, all of the uh, snakes, alligators, coyotes, wild boars, and we have a shitload of wild boars here. Yes, all of those animals are running over into the rural areas where uh, the guy that I just read the article from happened to live right off of Warm Springs Road and right off of 301. Anyway, so it's kind of funny, and it is true. Um, So, 
you need to when when you buy a house in the villages, you need to get a copy of the CDD rules that are online once you buy a house. Funny thing is you can't read them before you buy a house here. Most HOAs in the state of Florida, you want to get a copy of the HOA rules before you ever sign a contract. Don't be stupid. But in in the villages, you cannot get access to those CDD rules unless you have already purchased a home here. And it behooves you to be in compliance at all times with the CDD rules for your neighborhood. Now, at the moment, I think there are 15 CDDs. CDD stands for Com Community Compliance District. Um, or whatever, something like that. Anyway, it's like an HOA, but it's not. And nobody's going to report you unless you piss somebody off or you do something that they don't like. And there are people that run around with clipboards and just look for things to write up and for the uh, Community Standards Department to check out and verify. And now, finally, I'm going to talk about um, how the STD story, the, the rampant STDs that exist here, which really don't, got started. Back when my wife and I moved into the villages in 2007, just prior to that, in 2005, there was a female gynecologist who rented space in the commercial space from the villages. And the village rent and lease is very expensive. Minimum is like 3500 a month on up. And at the time, uh, she wanted to cancel her lease, and she didn't want to have to continue paying. But when you sign a village lease for commercial property... It's like 300 and plus pages long. It's bigger than a federal contract. And there is no way in hell you're getting out of paying that lease all the way to the end unless you file for bankruptcy. You have to be able to go to a bankruptcy judge and prove that you are now bankrupt. In other words, the lawyers have written up contracts for commercial leases in the villages that are so tight, you aren't getting out of paying them if you owe them money. Well, she was so pissed off that they wouldn't let her out of her lease for her um, medical space that she had a friend who worked for Reuters News Service, and she wrote up this professional-looking article about how STDs were rampant in the villages and all of her female patients were coming in with STDs from all of the sex that was unprotected sex that was ongoing in the villages. And her friend released that story to the news media without vetting it. And that, my friends, is how the story of rampant STDs got started. Are there rampant STDs? No, there are not. It's a good story, though. It's just like the story that I tell about wife-swapping clubs in the villages. Now, there may be some that are hidden. I don't know. But we have everything in the villages, over a thousand clubs. And I'm sure there probably is a uh, very hush-hush wife-swapping club. But I don't know that for a fact. But it's a great story to pass on. So if you want to, feel free to pass on that there are wife-swapping clubs and husband-swapping clubs. Uh, similar to what the Navy has, gold crew, blue crew 
wife swapping clubs. Whenever one sub comes in and the blue crew goes out, they swap wives. That actually does happen in the Navy. So the final thing is the lack of amenities in the newer areas of the villages. That is a fact, Jack. Uh, in the older sections of the villages that were built 15 years ago and older, the uh, Morse family used to go through great efforts to put in all of the infrastructure, build towns, little downtown areas like Spanish Springs and Sumter Landing, and finally um, Brownwood, but no more because those were huge, huge hundred million dollar plus investments. And now they've decided, yeah, you know what? People want to come here anyway. So let's just don't waste our money doing that shit. And so, yeah, the Morse family is no of developers is no longer going to be building the quality of amenities that they used to provide villagers. So you do need to think about it. I was very disheartened and depressed when I came to where I'm currently living in Deluna, and I found out that there would be no recreational lap pool anymore. Every time from Spanish Springs onward, they used to build huge Olympic-sized swimming pools that were lap pools, and uh, they could be multi-use for volleyball and other things, but no more. They're not doing that. The last one that's been built is Everglades, and to my knowledge, they do not intend to ever build any more recreational pools with laps. That is very sad. So if you are an athletic swimmer like I am, uh, literally you're going to have to put in your own lap pool because the Morris family of builder, builders is no longer going to put in lap pools and any of their amenities for the rest of their building, which is going to go on for beyond my lifetime. And that is a big complaint. And they also used to put country clubs, what they called country clubs, golf clubs, with restaurants. They're not doing that anymore either. They're just having little shacks. It might be a championship course quality, but it's just going to be a little shack, a place for the golf uh, uh, carts to be, check-in, check-out, to buy golf balls and golf shirts and pants and stuff, but no more restaurants like that. They're not going to be doing that stuff anymore. And that's been kind of a... A, a Debbie Downer for the villages and people coming here because, I mean, that really was one of the major draws to coming to the villages. So um, we'll have to see how that goes. But right now, it is a number one complaint of every villager moving into the new parts of the villages is that there simply isn't enough amenity space, nor is there enough parking. In fact, Sawgrass, which is their latest um, mini venture in what they would have called a mini downtown. There are so many residents that there is no table space, no parking space, no space to sit and listen or music or dance. It is so crowded at Sawgrass. Uh, all I can say is to Jennifer Parr, who's the main person besides her brother, who is here uh, managing the villages, is. Uh, too bad, so sad. You kind of fucked up there, people, Jennifer, by not doing the same stuff you did for all the older villagers in uh, Sumter Landing, Spanish Springs, recreational pools. 
yeah, I think I think the uh, village developer really kind of has uh, screwed the pooch on this one. So the, uh, every villager who is complaining about the lack of amenities in the new areas that they're building, uh, amen to that. And so feel free to chime in, comment on this particular segment, which is going to be a, a part of Season 3, Episode 27, uh, The Villages Part 7 of my uh, podcast. And let me know what you think. I hope you enjoy it. Anyway, as I come across more information on different topics I decide to chat on, I will. So anyway, Robert Nauer, Unfiltered, out.